Welcome to Terminal Talk, the podcast about mainframes and mainframe-related topics. I'm Jeff. And I'm Frank. And we have with us a very special guest to celebrate the one-year anniversary. One year. We've yeah. done this for a year. A year. Wow. It's surprising to think that a year ago, today, I recorded my first podcast and yep. 364 days ago, I recorded my second run of that podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just looking at the gauges to make sure this is uh, it's working. It looks like it's going. I got all right, good, yep. cool. Yep, we're on. So, so it's it's been a year. You, you have we said it? his name? Oh, oh, sorry, we should, huh? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> They're both looking confused at each other. So I'm Anthony Sophia. Oh, yeah. Joey, it's glad to be back. Jojo. <laughs> <laughs> this guy, uh, let me go check the first podcast again. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have my machine in front of me, so I couldn't uh, look it up. Mr. Anthony Sophia. Yeah, STSM, mm-hmm. Senior mm-hmm. Technical Staff Member in ZOS Development. Oh, okay. Cool. Mm. Cool. So, been a year. Yes. So, what have you been doing in the past year? It's been an interesting year. You know, Z14 is out. Um a lot of good, you know, reception on that box, so that's been very good. Um, I've been out in the field making sure customers are, you know, who are picking it up, understand the value behind it. Um, looking forward now as to, you know, what's going to be the next iteration of Z, so that's sort of been consuming most of my time now. So, um, without using the words pervasive encryption, <laughs> what is your favorite thing about uh, Z14? So, my favorite thing about it is actually something I worked on a while ago, um, the ZDC compression card. We actually have better performance on Z14 than we have in the past. So, customers who are either newly using that card or dragging it forward from a previous machine get a better CPU footprint than they did on other boxes. So, that's that's pretty exciting that we've managed to sort of make incremental changes box to box and deliver more value in something that's been a function for you know two two or three generations now is that because of specialized hardware on it or we we changed the plumbing so the the card is the same the zos software is is relatively the same but some of the plumbing in between got better by box to box nice yeah yeah, you you wouldn't know this because you don't actually listen to our podcast, but we had uh, Christian Jacoby on uh, two episodes ago. Yep. I, I, he, that was a recent one. I haven't I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. Oh yeah, right. have you have you heard any yet? I, I've ha- I've heard a few. Oh, um, okay. I listened to most of mine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I actually have have listened to quite a few of the episodes, and and the ones I haven't are queued up, but. Um, you know, one of the great things about, you know, at the one-year mark of this podcast. One year. One? One year. Let's let that sink in. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's still amazing to think it was last summer we started this thing. Um, <laughs> and I say we as being, you know, the driving force of this whole thing. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the content you guys created is, is really kind of amazing. You have, like, what, 50-ish hours or so of of experts on Z talking about different topics. And that's not information that's going to sort of atrophy on the shelf. It's stuff that I can go back to as a reference point and say, I need to learn about, you know, coupling or I need to learn about, you know, Sysplex or IO. I can go back in your podcasts and find those topics and listen to them. And the information is going to be relevant for the foreseeable future. You know, I think that's a great resource for, you know, not just new people, but people who are more experienced as well. So you guys really did something, did something good. 
I'm, I'm giving you credit here for that one. Thank, thank you. I know. You're, yeah, you're, praise from cool. Caesar. They're kind of dumbfounded right now. <laughs> yeah. What's <laughs> uh, funny is uh, I was working with some of the new hires over in the design center uh, like last week. And uh, I was I was saying, how can I learn about this? And I'm like, well, there's there's like a mainframe 101 book. There's these red books. And I'm like, and, you know, shameless plug, but there is a podcast. And she goes, oh, thank God, there's a podcast. Like, I'm just, <laughs> right. just going to listen to all those. I'm like, well, okay, that works too. And, and you, you guys have kept the time just right for like a commute-sized podcast. You know, <laughs> it, it's not like they're three-hour-long, you know, journeys that take forever and yeah. you can't get through them. They're, Hardcore history. Right, yeah. They're, <laughs> they're, they're nice and tight and concise and, and they're really easy to consume. So well, we, we get bored resource. quickly, yeah, too. So. Yeah, to it's kind of right. a short so attention span. The attention span, span goes away. <laughs> <laughs> the the 40-minute mark, things just go downhill. Yeah, we, we start talking about stuff and the, the guest is like, what the hell are you people doing? I, I know people who breathe a, a slight sigh of relief when they hear that music start to creep back and like, oh, thank God. <laughs> this like is over another minute. <laughs> Play me out, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> So what what has you know in in what have you seen change since Z14 came out like you know it's you know it, it's the basic thing it's it's another box but it it really feels like this is a such a more dramatic you know shift or departure than in previous iterations I think the, the to go back and use the words franks that I couldn't the the pervasive encryption mm. message on the box and the and the support that went in there I, I think what we did there was was kind of unique for Z. We, we took, we've always said we have this stack wide um, view of the box. And, and this is one of the times where we really have exploited that to its fullest. Right. Um, you really went through the whole stack and enabled this, this sort of offering around pervasive encryption in a way that, you know, I feel like we've sort of done in the past, but this was way more holistic. And I think that's been well received. It would be literally impossible to pull off on any other platform. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, you look at, you know, What's going on on Intel with you know and, and then Linux and then the software running on there? It's, there's not a single vendor that can walk across all those lines the way that we can with with the IBM Z platform. That's it's something unique to us that I think really the value of that shows with the Z14. Can you tell us a little more about the ZEDC feature? Because there might be some folks who you know maybe their hardware doesn't support it yet, or they just haven't you know turned it on. Yeah, and what does EDC stand for? I, is that one of those like uh, uh, electronic music festivals? It's, uh, there's no facility in it, so I'm, yeah. that's true. It doesn't have the word facility. Slightly less interested. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm already losing the audience here. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's um, enterprise data compression EDC, and <clears throat> so it was a plug-in adapter we put in the. Um, starting with the ZEC-12, so a couple generations back. And the idea behind it was we can do high-speed, high-throughput compression off the chip. So when you look at, you know, Moore's Law and kind of what's happening with that, I know it's, you know, dubious at this point, but, you know, chips aren't getting faster by orders of magnitude anymore. So. Anytime you can find specialized processing and put it onto either custom silicon or, or custom I.O. adapter that can do that one operation really well, you have an opportunity to swing a workload to work better. Hmm. And that's kind of what we did with, with compression. We did it with encryption on Z14. You know, we're looking for those kinds of opportunities where we could take a specialized piece of processing and really make it work well and then integrate it across the whole software stack. So the compression story is a lot like the encryption story where we went out and we, we hit the whole ecosystem of software to enable it 
across the stack. It's in the operating system. It's in the middleware. It's in applications. It's it's pervasively through the system. Yeah. So for a software guy, you seem to know an awful lot about hardware. Yes, the the benefits of sitting in Poughkeepsie. Um, <laughs> so, you know, yeah, I, I work a lot with the hardware guys. Um, you know, I being a software guy but an operating system software guy, you, you tend to learn more about hardware than you might expect. And the more you learn about hardware, the more you learn you don't know about hardware. <laughs> and the, the more, you know, you start talking with the chip designers and the millicoders and the I.O. guys and the architecture team. And you start to, you know, as a software person, appreciate what goes into that side of it. And then you can start to find those really good optimizations between software and hardware where those teams working together can really build something great. Well, that's one of the things I've learned over the past year. You know, I <clears throat> I had over 30 years of experience uh, on the mainframe before we started this podcast, and it's amazing how much stuff I learned talking to these experts in the in the past year. And, yeah, I know I'll never be a millicoder, but I certainly understand it a lot better and, and what that job is. And Well, they spend a lot of effort in making sure that you don't have to know the bits and bytes. But once you give them an opportunity to open up and say, what, what's actually going on behind that, that, you know, that interface you give us, that's, it, gets, it gets so interesting. Like, oh, wow, uh, it's nice to know it's there. I'm glad I don't have to worry about it, but I'm glad someone smart like you was in charge of it. <laughs> right. And, and that's one of the things coming into this platform that, that's interesting is the – the layering that we have, not just in the software, but under the software, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's a lot of moving parts under there that, that people don't realize are there until they sort of either have to as part of their career or they might never realize what's happening under those covers. And by, some of that's by design. Right. So turning subjects, <laughs> uh, we had talked before uh, about you coming and talking a little bit about the work that you've done helping new people get interested in mainframe. And I mentioned uh, before we started recording how that first podcast really inspired me to change um, some of the focus of what I've been doing for the past year as I really focus more on skills um, and and helping companies build the operational skill um, to to grow new sysprogs. Mm -hmm. So I was hoping that we could talk a little bit about you know, how you bring people in and and help them learn about the platform. Oh, that's, that's yeah, I, I, you know, that's a topic that's close to me. Um, over the last, I'd say, decade, I've probably brought on a dozen or so new operating system programmers, um, most of which don't hate me and <laughs> actually, have actually continued to work here. Um, actually, all of which have, have stayed in here and stayed as, as ZOS guys, so... Um, you know, it, it's something that takes takes a lot of effort to get people into that into that space. So, where where do you start, though? <laughs> I, it's it's always you know we, we always come back to that. But like I'm I'm always like, do I start with virtualization? Do I start with Sysplex? Do I start with well, back in the '60s? Like where where is your so what the way the way I usually flow it is they show up, I sit them down, and I just talk for maybe two hours whiteboarding you know this is a mainframe this is a sysplex real basic stuff but just to give them the general lay of the land Uh um because without that they can't even go to say your podcast and and make sense of what they should listen to um then i sort of send them off and and say okay now you're ready to go you know read a couple things and and take a look at some stuff um 
I'll keep doing those kinds of whiteboarding interactive things, you know, up front just to just to demystify the acronym soup and and you know all the other mysteries of a cis what you know cisplex what does that mean right um you know why, just, why do you guys count bits like, <laughs> well yeah and, and, and when you're dealing with with these people coming in right out of college they've never done a lot of the stuff that we do on this platform um you know their their heritage is going to be linux and aws or you know other cloud platforms and it's they're not going to map that directly to the mainframe so um, one of the things that when I first came into Z was I was a Linux guy. I mean, Jeff, you know that from when we were in college. Oh, yeah. Um, we installed Linux on pretty much everything. Right. We, we ran Linux. That, that's what we did. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I came to, to ZOS and I'm like, all right, this thing's weird. Uh, <laughs> this is not, you know, so the first thing I tried to do was, was sort of map constructs from, from the Linux world into the ZOS world. And that was before I even knew USS existed on ZOS. This was when I was still... ISPF and um, ISPF edit and, and doing stuff in PLX and Rex, so it was uh, it was a difficult start of that transition. One of the things that I found helps with the with the young people starting in the Z is giving them projects that they can see. So a lot of the stuff that we do in, on Z, whether it's you know Sysprog automation or it's operating systems programming. At the end, you don't get a message that comes out and says, good job, you know, you, you did this. Um, you know, you don't get a window that pops up with a, a smiley face. You, you don't see anything happening. Achievement um, unlocked. Right, yeah, achievement unlocked. <laughs> a badge doesn't magically right. appear on your console. Um, so I try to pick those first couple projects for them, you know, things that they're going to visually see. And, and, you know, a lot of times that might be like an IPCS formatter, Um, you know, and and it might not be something that is, you know, really sexy kind of function, but it's something that they're going to be able to see, test, and really work with easily and then accomplish something and sort of finish out a project. Um, That's the other thing that is to watch out for on this platform is a lot of things can... A lot of projects can drag out or, or don't necessarily have an endpoint in sight, especially if you get into like automation. You know, well, there's always something else to be automated, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, making sure you have really concise and and you know finishable projects because the young people they like to see that they've hit a milestone. You know, oh, I I completed that, I did that project, I pushed the button, and I saw something happen. Um, and I didn't have to go set a bunch of weird traces and, and <laughs> count bits to see it. it. It popped something on my screen or, you know, or it's a, a behavior that was very observable. Um, you know, a lot of the behaviors we would look for are something that would be subtle, you know, especially in automation. So making sure something they can see and interact with is, 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 is the way I try to try to get them into the platform at first. Um, now, that doesn't necessarily mean that they write a lot of code either. So... A lot of the first projects I give might be, you know, like I said, either a, a little formatter or fixing a small bug someplace somewhere where they're going to write one or two lines of code, but they're going to have to test that code and go through the whole process. Um, what I don't like to do is to say, okay, go write a couple hundred lines of code, guy who just showed up, and then now you have to figure <laughs> out how to test all that code and, and drive it in different environments. Um, you know, write one or two lines, and let's see that you can get all the way through, you know, either by IPLing it on a system or by getting a dump and running IPCS on it or by IPLing and running that automation, whatever whatever the task might be. That way, again, they can finish something. 
and they, they start to build up that confidence that, okay, I can get things done now. Um, and then you just start incrementally ramping them up. And, and how long before you uh, try to have somebody pick, like, a specialization area? Because trying to teach everyone everything, you know. <laughs> yes, that that is difficult. So, you know, typically in, in ZOS at least, you know, whatever project I, I get my new hire on, I'm going to have to give them some deep insight into that area they're working with. Um, so I'll, I'll definitely do that and make sure they're, they get a deep view of, of whatever component or, or area they're working on, but also make sure they're not sort of pigeonholed there and they are seeing yes. the broader picture. Right. Um, you know, balancing the broader picture versus that deep dive is difficult because you want them to complete a task, but you also want them to grow as a, you know, in their career and as a, as a developer. Yeah, I, th- I think one of the worst things that could happen would, and I'm not blowing up anyone's spot by saying this, would be to create another person who knows, I know why, ban. They know, <laughs> they know one component yes. and they're going to latch on to that and, it, you know, whether it goes away or not, you know. Um, so, so keeping someone showing how everything's connected and that, you know, there's, um, there's benefit in, in growing, I, I think is, is going to be a huge thing. Cause it's, you probably could actually, I know you can, you know, get along by just knowing one component literal decades ago. Yeah. Um, that's not beneficial for anyone anymore. <laughs> no. And, and like we were just talking about at the, the top of the podcast, I mean, the, the Z value prop is stack wide integration, right? If we grow a bunch of people who only know their little piece, who's going to be the person who can look across pieces and integrate things. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, that's one of the important things is to make sure, yes, you know a piece or two and you know it really deep, but you also understand how the puzzle gets put together. Um, because without that, we're not going to grow that next generation of people who can go and build these you know, huge offerings that extend across middleware and hardware and, and operating system. Yeah, And I think it's harder for um, kids getting started today than it was for, say, me when I came in back in the 80s because our education was much lower level. So Mm -hmm. I really had to understand assembler when I started. I I really had to know a bunch of languages. And and we we just lived a lot closer to the machine. Right. And I think it's a lot harder today for people coming in to do what we do because there's so much further from the machine. Oh, the the word processor is like an abstraction. Right. It's not, you know. Did we ever figure out what Y-band was? I never did. I, I, Could you I, tell that story? Because I know someone's going to ask. <laughs> yeah, so uh, back when I started, uh, back in the 80s. Okay, we'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was a, a early um, proponent of knowing a bunch of different things and, and moving on. And... Um, Things that even at that time it started to evolve, and there was a guy, and he's like, "I know why, Ben," and nobody else knew what that was, and and that's all he knew, and that's all he wanted to know, and that's all, and and so he he kind of sat and did nothing. Why, Ben? Why, Ben? I don't know what it was, but uh, you know he's gone, and nobody missed him. You know, maybe was, maybe one of the dozens of listeners of this podcast will come chime back in and, and say, yeah, why is is a component of a third party? <laughs> dozens. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I, I remember... We have triple digits. <laughs> I, I, I remember even back back in the 80s where we started to be much more focused on, on being uh, broad-based broad and... and 
there's still, I, I admit, there's still people here who do only know one component, mm-hmm. people that I know, and have been, they're, they're very good at what they do. It's just what they do is extremely narrow. Right. And, and um, not that there isn't, it isn't great to do that. Um, well, there, there are people who know their thing and they're, and they, they want to tell you about it, they want to connect, and, and that's, that's great. There's, there are other people who are defensive about it. Like, I, I know why, Ben. You shouldn't bother learning it because I know I it. I know it. Yeah. There's no need. <laughs> right. And that, that's a that's a toxic environment. Yeah. And, and I personally, I don't I don't cater well to that kind of environment. <laughs> wow. So, you know, I'm, I'm that's very, an A-plus maneuvering right yeah. there. <laughs> um, you know, my, my goal is is to sort of pull everyone with me. Um, so all, all of my, you know, new people, I make sure that, you know, you're going to learn what I know. Um, because if you don't do that, then I'm not doing my job right because – at some point, I'm going to move on. I mean, I'm still relatively young, but I want to go do other things. Um, who's going to be the next five Anthony's that are going to show up and oh take my spot? <laughs> <laughs> the, the horror in Jeff's face on that. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. <laughs> imagine that in this room. Yeah. So uh, I want to kind of tug on that thread a little bit because certainly I've seen it um, in a bunch of different places, somewhat in IBM and somewhat in, in other companies. There are a group of people who look like me or even older, hard to believe, that have a hard time letting go of some of that older stuff. Mm-hmm. How do you kind of deal with the, you know, looking across teams where you've got people like, you know, I if it's not an ISPF macro, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to edit without that. And, and you've got kids, right, who are doing stuff with some of the latest uh, development tools. How do you kind of work through that? So one of the, and you made a good point just earlier is that kids are coming out of school with a different set of skills than they did in the seventies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to slowly back the decades up on you. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you just picture Frank pulling into work in like a Trans Am or something. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> if only. So I I try to use that as a bridge sometimes so um you know maybe instead of making them do things in rex could they do it in c could they do it in java Hmm. um you know just because we have rex and it is a good tool doesn't mean it's the only tool um you know we do have unix system services which gives us a posix compliant environment that kind of smells like linux so if you're familiar with writing c code and you can do an f open well, you can do that F open to a sequential data set and read a record out um, and then write a formatter or a pro- post-processor that way too. So using some of the, the tools that we have on the platform to bridge that is another way to sort of let them learn one thing at a time. Um, and, and that's another you know tactic I use is if you have to learn a new programming language and a new operating system and a new text editor and a new paradigm you know it it just it piles it's too many new things at once but if you already know java and you already know how to use sit at a bash shell then maybe the only thing you need to learn is what is an smf record and what's in it and then you're learning one thing but you're using your existing knowledge to get there um then you say okay you did that in java now can you use ispf to edit that okay now you know start one at a time introducing those concepts as opposed to just sort of that big bang approach. And sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't, depending on the project. But when you can sort of limit 
And I think some of the work that's happening with the newer tooling, the um, you know the newer development environments for Z is going to help with that. You're not going to have to dive in ISPF on day one. You're going to be able to use something that's familiar. It just takes one more variable and learning thing out of the equation. And that's been something I've been trying to do over time, too. So do you get a lot of pushback? I mean, that that sounds a little scary from an, from a support standpoint. I got some code in Java, and some of it's in C, and some of it's in Plas, and some of it's in... So not product code. And that, that so that, that's going to be... Yeah, so... Um, it would be tooling or utilities or something else that I, I'd, I'd sort of push them off to write in other languages. But when they come back to write operating system code, they're, they're going to be back in, in a PL language. Um, you know, that's not something we can get out of right now. There's not a whole lot of C inside of ZOS at this <laughs> point. Um, and I don't see that changing in the in the near future. So, but we can still use, I mean, I, you know, it's funny. It's been 15 years now that I've been on ZOS. Um I'm still more comfortable on a bash shell with C all these years later than I am in Rex. So I still write my utilities in C using fopen and reading a sequential data set rather than do it in, in, in a Rex program. Well, you never really get away from your native computer language, right? I mean, you, you don't. It's weird. And it's, it, yeah, it, for some reason, that's just you think that way first. Um, and I don't think Rex first. And so, I mean, I have written a lot of recs but it, it always i always come back to how can i do this fast i could write it i could write a c program huh. so you know trying to trying to leverage those pieces that new hires are bringing in the best ways possible and, and you know our customers and system programmers might have more opportunity there because they're probably working on more utilities you know and yes they might rather they be in recs but would it kill you if they were in java or c um it might not so it's another thing to look at is, you know, use the different program environments that we have on ZOS now to, to best onboard these new people. Yeah, I can see a whole new set of utilities based on JavaScript. And we're, right. We just we have, have Node running. And I was going to say we have Node now. I mean, the, the Swift, I mean, we've got all these different things people can do now on the platform. So let's use them. And if we need glue so that they could call an operating system routine, you know, we know how to build build that glue um you know you know how to write a little bit of scene assembler to, to make sure we can get down there so yeah trying to do things like that really helps the onboarding process it limits the amount they're exposed to at once hmm. um coming around to the the bottom of the of the, <laughs> uh, the hour here um i want to change gears a little bit um so you know we've got one year down mm-hmm. hopefully we have another couple of years coming up <laughs> um what what kind of things would you like to see covered, or have you heard that people want you know in upcoming episodes besides more Anthony, right? Obviously, I mean, right? I mean, you know, and Christmas specials, the, the, <laughs> the, the month the monthly Anthony update, right. uh, <laughs> ah, the MAU. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I mean you guys have really hit a lot of the core um, core aspects of Z at this point. Um, so we should just get weird stuff now. Like kicks, <laughs> IMS. Yeah. I, well, I think some of them. I mean, you've had you know you had a DB two podcast. I don't think I saw a kicks one. You haven't done a kicks. You haven't done IMS. a kicks one yet. Um, I think hitting some of the middleware would be good. Um, I don't think I've seen you do anything on Java on the platform, hmm. which would be interesting because we have a you know our Java is pretty optimized to our hardware. Um, so it, it'd be neat to have some of that in there. Show that we have some of these more modern facilities available. Um, the kids don't think Java's modern. No, nah, you know, that, that's showing my age now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this newfangled Java thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, that, now, when did I start working? <laughs> Welcome to my world, bud. <laughs> We're all slowly turning into Frank. That's um, not good. <laughs> no, I think you know, I think you guys have covered a lot of the, the bases of the platform. Now, now I think expanding into that ecosystem, um, you know, diving in there a little bit more. And you know, I know uh, you guys don't like dialing people in for this, and I can completely appreciate why <laughs> the, the quality definitely degrades on podcasts when that we happens. We might try it out at some point. Yeah, I think We're it'd, be, it'd, be, it'd be worth an experiment sometime. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, but but yeah, I think that would be interesting. And I think what you guys do at the conferences, we're able to collect people there. I think that's really good too. I, I would oh, keep yeah. doing that. I, I, you know, I love IBMers. I love having clients on more. Yes, it, it seems <laughs> better uh, to get their perspective. We tend to be very focused. Yeah, although maybe I'm spoiled because I get to talk to IBMers all day. You know, I don't know if I'd consider that spoiled, but you know, there's <laughs> there's a perspective. So yeah, I think we'd love to do uh, m- more of that. Uh, middleware kind of stuff. The the key, I think, is going to be um, finding people where we can we can be happy with the quality of the sound. Right. So we'll have to work on that. Yeah. We can, you know, just start buying cables 50 foot at a time and <laughs> slowly yeah. push them into the Atlantic. That's right. Yeah. If, yeah, if K- I can spend K- $20 <laughs> on bond a month, let's see. Yeah. In six months we'll be able to make it out to Delaware. <laughs> yeah, Kix is in um, in England, so that's a long honking cable. Yeah, we'll figure it out somehow. I mean, other podcasts do it. Yeah, and some podcasts just don't do it well. <laughs> <laughs> but no, what are your guys? I mean, what are you thinking for the next year of Terminal Talk? Um, I honestly, some of the the new hires that we've seen come in, like last year, maybe the year before. I want to bring them back in, not as, hey, here's so-and-so new on the mainframe, but I want to hear about their experience and just Mm -hmm. have a a fresh perspective. Um, I know we've had a lot of work from designers and, uh, you know, just, you know, like you said, you you tend to start from what you know. Right. And hearing a perspective from somebody who doesn't, didn't start here uh, would be, you know, interesting, I think. Would especially the designer angle. I mean, we we um, have built uh, a bunch of interfaces, uh, starting from a world that didn't have, you know, GUIs, right? And and I think that really invades a lot of uh, what you get from IBM still. And to hear a designer say how we're you know how we're changing that would be kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. I I do think it's important for us to to be hitting a bunch of different perspectives. I still think that there's a lot of really cool system stuff that we could spend a little bit more time on. Um, the key is finding just the right people. I do also love hearing about somebody who write, writes like a tiny, tiny, tiny <laughs> little component squirreled away in a corner of some sort of operating system you know, call that everyone depends on and like the work that has to go into keeping that current on the hardware and the software and the firmware and all that, like that, that, uh, underappreciated kind of nugget. That's, that's, I always, those are my favorite episodes, I think. So, so let's go down that path. Uh, it's been a year. Uh, uh-huh. top three episodes. Oh man. I'm going to, I'd have to pull up the, uh, guys, I'm sitting right here. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was Anthony's first appearance. <laughs> 
there was the Christmas special, <laughs> and then there's, there's this, this one. This one, there you go. All the ones with Anthony came. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna specifically avoid answering that. <laughs> Partially because I don't want to bother anyone. Second, because I'm just really bad with names. <laughs> well, but I, I think there, for me at least, there have been a, a couple episodes that stand out. One of my favorites, Brenton. Um, that whole mode code thing for me was really, really useful. That was the bridge between hardware and software that we didn't know existed. Yeah. Well, and and there was so much um, in it that my conversations with him have never been the same, right? Huh. Uh, so uh, I, I, I walked away with a real appreciation of what the machine could do um, and, and what – role they play, which is much more serious than I thought. I thought, oh, they just kind of link that stuff to the the upper level stuff, but it, there's a lot more to it. There's a know. lot of decisions in there to determine how optimized and how much is they're going to work they're going to take away for them to handle. That is, is so interesting. Yeah, and I loved um, Cheryl Watson. Oh, she was great. Yeah, I learned You can tell so, she's a teacher. Yes. <laughs> I learned so much about a, a side of the business that I really didn't know anything about. Yeah. Um, but it's extremely important to most businesses, the, the stuff that she talked about. Right. And um, then Sh- Sharon Spaulding's one was just fun. Constantly get feedback about how much fun that episode was. Yeah. Uh, the mainframe packaging just – oh, yeah, I guess it, it, that goes back to that nugget. Like, yeah, I guess any any mainframe that gets made has to get shipped out. It has to go <laughs> into a box. And, again, we are so lucky that somebody <laughs> – as smart as her is is designing the crates and you know values the the assets that much. She was awesome. Yeah, I, it's been a really educational year for me, and that's talking to somebody who's who's been in this mainframe business for over thirty years. We, we'd also be remiss if we didn't uh, mention uh, Chad Rickensrud. <laughs> oh yeah, I cannot wait to have him back on. <laughs> yeah, we definitely have to hit him again because that was. <laughs> Uh, the the horrible thing is all the stuff we had to cut out <laughs> of the Chad. Uh, that, there, there's a director's cut episode <laughs> version of that episode floating around somewhere. He, I don't think there's been anyone who just, aside from uh, Mr. Anthony here, who just slid into the podcast so seamlessly. It was just like, all right, what's up, guys? What are we doing? <laughs> and just from the go. <laughs> and I I can't believe the stuff that we had to cut out. It was, it was amazing. But, yeah, I think uh, it would be great to have him on again uh, and maybe hit some of the stuff that we didn't have time to hit yep. before. Um, also, Debbie Furman, the <laughs> I, tester I, extraordinaire, loves breaking things. And it was obvious. There was that oh. evil gleam in her eye when she started talking about breaking stuff. She, so. she represents everything I love about test. <laughs> It's like, oh, you th- you think you built something perfect? All right, let give you five minutes with yeah. it. <laughs> I've been on the receiving end of that before. From her, so, is, is, is it as much fun being on the other side? Not so much. <laughs> <laughs> you get the. I think something's wrong. <laughs> but no, that was good. The the Pete and Rico one. Um, it's a shame. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we, we can't have him he's, on. Again. He's banished from the show. Banished from the show. Well, yeah, I know he's banished from the show, but it was a great. Yeah, he was. was, a, it, it, was it was good. That was. It, it gave a different insight to some, you know, some of his client perspectives that he had. Was, oh yeah, well, he was the first one that really opened the door to the idea of tuning around the the metrics instead right. of solely for performance. performance. And that came up a couple times after him. Um, 
you know, we, we should have a container-based pricing follow-up to see if that, you know, addresses any of those concerns. But, yeah, he was he was one of the first clients we had on, I think. Him and Bob. Yeah. Right? But, no, it's been, it's been interesting because, I mean, I remember the experience coming in and recording that first show. Um, twice. Twice. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it, it, you guys really have, have fell into a groove pretty quick on this thing. So it's been it's been fun listening to, you know, parts of episodes as I've gotten <laughs> as I've been able to tolerate it. <laughs> but no, the, I mean, like I said, I think, I think you, people can go back into the catalog of, of these podcasts and really get value out of them for the foreseeable future. I, I really do believe that. And I think, you know, as, as I bring new, more new hires in, this is something I'm going to point to. I'm, I'm figuratively pointing to their whiteboard um, that doesn't have a whole lot of useful information on it. <laughs> Mostly just curse words. Right. <laughs> Do not say these words. <laughs> Crude pictures of coworkers. <laughs> but no, when, you know, it's better than why should I talk about Sysplex when Dave Sermon did it for an hour on the podcast? Right. You know, I, I'm not going to do better than that. So go home, listen to this, listen to it in your drive-in, listen to it as you go for a walk at lunch. Um, you know, and just start absorbing that information and. You know, the more you just listen to this stuff, the more you're going to pick up on it. And then when you hear someone talk, like a, a Cheryl, for instance, you're going to understand more of what she's saying. Um, yeah, and I think I especially want people to understand that aspect because uh, most of us techno weenies never really think about the business side of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, she really brought that uh, yeah. into focus which I think is really, really important. Right. Speaking of favorite episodes, uh, one of my favorites, Charlie Lawrence. <laughs> and I think we're coming right up about to the point where uh, Mr. Charlie is going to make his uh, his appearance. Yeah, I think it's time to say, old man Charlie, run us out. Thank you, Mr. Sevilla. Thank you for having me. <laughs> You've been listening to Terminal Talk with Frank and Jeff. For questions or comments, or if you have a topic you'd like to see covered on a future episode, direct all correspondence to contact at TerminalTalk.net. That's contact at TerminalTalk.net. Until the next time, I'm Charlie Lawrence, signing off. Oh, shit.